0: With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this, but with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.
2: The Exxon Radio Show with
0: Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, Worldwide Talkstar Star Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. My guest this hour is a young man by the name of Tumu Jin Hu, and we're going to be talking to him about his new book that is just out. It's called The Rage. Now, Tumu Jin is a hardworking American who graduated from the University of Southern California with a BA in East Asian Languages and Cultures. He's lived in many different places and worked a variety of jobs. More recently, he spent most of his time in Kuwait. Um... California, and now Colorado, doing either professional armed security or running a small online used book business. He's been writing screenplays for a hobby for about 15 years. The Rage is his first novel and is strongly influenced by his efforts to cultivate an attitude of grace in his life. And Tumu Jin-Hu, welcome to the Axone.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. It's great having you here. Uh, tell us a little bit about The Rage.
3: The Rage, it's about two men, Mm -hmm. Roland and Nicholas, whose traumatic life circumstances drive them to drugs, crime, and murder. The story begins with Roland, who grew up poor and abused, as he gives up on society and immerses himself in being a criminal, which mostly involves stealing, but often involves killing. For Nicholas, he was raised wealthy and comfortable, but Mm -hmm. his tragedy leads him to first, it's just training for self-defense, but this becomes an obsession with combat arts and, and revenge, hunting down the man who took his life from him. Both these guys uh, start off very differently, but after a few years, they start looking the same, and they become very capable criminals. Um, and they uh, they almost cross paths over the years, but finally, when a uh, mysterious criminal racket tries to recruit Roland and kill off Nicholas, it actually drives the two men closer together. And well, it looks like it's going to end in a lot of violence. But this happens at a time when both these men are beginning to question their choices. So that's, that's, you know, what the rage is about.
0: You you served in the U.S. military working in private security in Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And uh, this is a quote from you. A lot of people get their faith shaken when they go overseas to fight. I heard combat veterans talking about doing their job and wondering, am I still a good person even though I did what I did? How difficult is that for you and other members who who go overseas to to fight uh, to rationalize the different emotions and the different scenarios that you see on a daily basis? How do you do it?
3: Well, first of all, I need to, to uh, correct something. I was I got out of the military in the nineties, and all my security experience is actually private security. Uh, and actually, I've never seen combat, even in all my security experience. Uh, the closer I've been to an ID was about a kilometer away. That's close um, enough. <laughs> the but I've uh, interacted with a lot of these combat vets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had sim- I've had similar training, and I've you know I've been on the road uh, on the roads in Iraq and driven around and had to have the same concerns that they did, um, but with less actual combat experience. But uh, in studying security um, and then talking to these people. Um, the uh, you you have to be prepared for the you know for the worst case scenario. This is this is what I'm talking about right. when I when I mention that you go you go overseas as a soldier and you're told to kill. Yeah. And that's that's just war. War in itself, I believe, is an atrocity. Um. It, it's a ne- It's you can't get around it. It's, it's just part of you know part of the world. But yeah. you send a soldier off and, and he's supposed to kill and he gets very good at that. Um, And he goes and he kills, and then uh, one day he shoots something that he's supposed to shoot at, and he finds out later on that it's it's a car full of a family of four, probably on their way to school or work. And, you know, a soldier once told me, Mm -hmm. when I first went over to Iraq, and um, I was, you know, killing people, and I was doing my job, and it was all fun. I was doing what I was told to do. But the longer you were there... The more you're interacting with the locals, you learn the language, you drink with them, drink tea with them. Tumujin, I hate DVDs, to do this, songs. but we've
0: got to take our two-minute commercial break. Please stand by, okay. Exxon Nation. Tumujin who is is our special guest. He is the author of The Rage. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. And Tumujin Hu and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes. Don't go away. since this product is a real winner to learn more about one two three ready tv visit our website at www.xzbn.net hello i'm justina marsh and with my dad pete we are going to present a new show called too good to be true together we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more
2: information about when to listen.
0: Welcome back to The X-Zone, everyone. To Mujin, who is our special guest. He is the author of The Rage. It's a new inspirational crime novel. It explores the issues of wickedness and redemption. His website is www.temujinhu.com. Now that's www.temujinhu.com. And uh, the rage is available uh, in in print. It's available on Kindle, and it's published by. Badlander Publishing, and it just came out, so congratulations on your first book, and I understand that you're also a screenwriter.
3: Uh, yes, I wrote screenplays on this as a hobby for about 15 years, mostly focusing on one, but I started uh, a, a few others. Um, but uh, I always had plot problems, and that's why I ended up eventually turning to a novel format. Uh, screenplays got to be very tight, it's got to right. be 120 pages, um, but a novel you can basically let yourself go. So <laughs> that's why I tried out a novel was to attempt to work out my plot issues.
0: Now, Tumujin, before we started uh, this uh, segment, you and I were talking about um, what it's like for the soldiers in Iraq. They go over there, they they you know they do their job, but the longer they're there, the longer they get to know the people. So yes. where does it go from here, and and how do they? First of all, are they supposed to draw the line? between soldier and civilian and how easily is it crossed it's
3: it's way too easy to cross I mean whether you're soldier and even the, as doing private security it gets even more fuzzy because mm-hmm. the law is not on your side if you make a, a make a mistake um, but you have to be able to uh, you know when in war you you, you can shoot first because yep. you're, you're automatically in a combat scenario and security, You can't shoot first. You have to make sure that you're not shooting at the wrong people. Either way, you end up shooting at people, and you need to be able to distinguish uh, a threat from a not threat, which is very difficult in a situation like Iraq where you've got an insurgency going on where you have friendly people that look like they're friendly but are actually not. And so it's very easy for you to do something and later on realize it might might not have been the best thing or... You, you do something right, and it still looks bad. It still feels bad. Um, and uh, you still have that on, no matter how much, you know, everyone says, hey, you did the right thing, you still walk away and you go, well, that person doesn't look like a bad guy to, in In my head. It's, it looks like the person I, I eat breakfast with, I drink tea mm-hmm. with. You know, it looks like my friend. The more it looks like a real person, no matter how just the shooting was, it still can – and you can still take that away from you as – so it's something tough to deal with emotionally, and I think a lot of soldiers return. That's what the, you know, the PTSD and all mm-hmm. the all this uh, mental struggles they have when they come back. Um, no matter how good a soldier you were, no matter how, uh, even if you weren't around the killing, if you were, if you didn't do the killing yourself, you are just around it, it can still mess you up, mess up in your, mess up your thinking, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you start doubt whether you did was good, you start feeling bad, you still had all the guilt. Um, and uh, that's, that's part of the inspiration for the story was just dealing with, you know, am I a good person? Am I still a good person? I, you don't think you have to be a soldier to relate to that. Anyone that deals with any kind of stress or trauma um, deals with, you know, survivor guilt. You know, you, you get into an accident and uh, everyone dies but you.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah, that's the same kind of uh, feeling. You start feeling guilty, even though there's not really any reason for you to feel guilty. And all those kind of things can play into um, uh, the mental stress that people deal with. And the mental stresses mess up our judgment and character, and that's when we start making Mm -hmm. bad decisions.
0: So how did you, or how do you, deal with this multiplicity uh, of emotions? And what are you trying to get across to your readers in your book?
3: (laughs) Um I don't think there is any good, one solid answer for how to deal with it. The way I deal with my depression in the past has always been to tell myself to suck it up, which is actually what people going through depressions don't want to hear. Uh, but it works for me. Um, but I think uh, the first step is is hope, instilling mm-hmm. hope. And I think that's what I try to do with a book, uh, and it takes a lot. You get through the whole book to get to that part. But ultimately... Um, you have to have a hope that this isn't the end, that there is a better end. And then from there, you can start making positive choices towards that towards that end. I think uh, one of those, the note for there to be a possibility of hope, you have to be okay with where you're at emotionally. So and that's one of the things about being a soldier and being in that, any paramilitary environment, even a cop, security, the atmosphere is very macho. So if you have PTSD, you get make, made fun of. If you um, have nightmares, you get made fun of. And so the stigma, there's just a stigma attached to it that you go out in society and you pretend like you're okay when you're not. Um, and it prevents you from dealing with it in a healthy way. And I think that's that's definitely true in the military environment. But I think a lot of people that are depressed and are going through mental stress feel the same thing. They feel like they can't acknowledge their their troubles, their um, you know, like I'm, and that's one reason why I think I've been very successful with uh, my depression in the past is because I've never, I've never not been able to talk about my issues. <laughs> I'm very open about my, about my darkness. You know, I've I've been depressed. I've had suicidal suicidal thoughts. You know, I'm very open about some of my mistakes I've made. You know, mm-hmm. I've been fired, uh, and that was a horrible experience for me. Um, I've you know, I've I've three times in my life I've made really solid vows to God, and I've broken all three vows. so I feel like a, a person with no integrity. you know um, one time I dated this girl and she was so excited to be dating you know someone who was supposedly a man of God, and, and then I treated her worse than any boyfriend she'd ever ever dated. you know um, and I, I looked and I've learned from that I, I made a lot of mistakes, so I guess my point is I'm, I'm open about my mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think that's one reason why I can get over uh, my issues. And why I've never needed counseling, um, it's because uh, I think I automatically do stuff that gives me that hope. But um, like I said, uh, it's particularly true in my experience in military or uh, security, in a paramilitary environment, law enforcement, where there's a stigma against uh, the emotional strain and acknowledging it and dealing with it. Um, but I think that stigma also exists in society in a different level, in a slightly different way. Because I know a lot of people feel like they can't admit that they're depressed.
0: It's they're it's struggling. just it's just as if people feel that if they admit they're depressed, society will look down on them. Why why do yeah. we have to why do we have to subject people within society to that kind of pressure? Why can't we just say, hey, you know what? Depression is a fact of life. You're human. How can we help yeah. you?
3: Yeah yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a common uh, theme, and if you look up uh, blogs online on depression and and read books, it's a mm-hmm. common issue.
0: Tell tell me, how did your situation affect your relationship with God? Did it did it make it make it tighter? Did it make you question His existence more?
3: I think they, uh, some of the soldiers I talked to went overseas and they, uh, with a lot of faith, and they came back. With um, a lot of uh, uh, lack of faith, with a lot of doubts. For me, um, it's and part of it's become part of the way I came to faith. I came to faith through apologetics, through studying, you know, science and philosophy and reason, and trying to make good academic, you know, discussion. Is this a good choice for me? And so, for me, my faith is based on truth. That's one of the reasons why, when I'm depressed, I can always tell myself to suck it up, because to me the Bible is true. I can always say, you know what, if this is true, I need to live as if it's true. And so I can look at my situation and say, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, the the circumstances don't, I mean, I still have to, everyone is going to every now and then go, you know what? I wonder if this is true. Am I wasting my time? But I always go back to all the reasons why I committed my life to Christ. And I can say, I know this is true. And therefore i can I can change my thinking my behavior, and that's how I get through it through it and i don't i haven't had my face shaken no matter no matter what uh kind of circumstances I've, I've been in, but a lot of other people have and I think it's because they there a lot of people think that faith is about ignorance you know it's about blind faith it's about believing something no matter what science tells you, and if you when you're if that's the kind of faith you have when you're faced with the reality of a harsh circumstance, you're going to start questioning that faith because the, the reason isn't there, uh, the you know the truth isn't there. So that's that's how I've dealt with it, and I've no I've my faith is stronger than any than it's ever been. And it's um, you know no matter no matter what I've gone through, I've always been able to uh, rest on my faith. Based on the truth that that I believe in.
0: You you say that, and this is a quote, um, uh, somebody asked you how you define rage, and you said, the mess of emotions and thoughts and confusion that life sometimes throws at us, and which we sometimes find ourselves unable to break free from. Sometimes it can be caused by a single event, but often it's a series of events that may not seem so bad when they're seen individually, such as the seemingly common address of being overworked or or loneliness.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: I've experienced both of those things. (laughs) And both of those things can lead you to uh, bad decisions Mm if you're not careful. Um, I've been lonely in the Navy and uh, got uh, down on myself and proceeded to find strip bars and intentionally trying to make myself uh, broke. Um, I've uh, been fatigued and overworked and uh, started you know, um, putting myself around people that were using illicit drugs. Uh, and I never actually used them, yeah. but uh, if I had stayed around them much longer, I would have. And uh, you know, once you start down that kind of road, it's very hard to get off that track, and it's very easy to go back on that track. So I've been very lucky. I've just been barely able to avoid some really bad decisions, but I've seen how easy it is to you know, the innocence of working really hard sure. and how that can uh, wear you down emotionally. Tumujin, please you know, stand
0: we, by, young man. You and I have to take mm-hmm. our news break at the bottom of the hour. Explanation, mm-hmm. we're talking to the author of The Rage. His name is Tumujin Ho, and uh, his website is www.tumujinhu.com and that's T-E-M-U-J-I-N-H-U.com. The name of his book is The Rage, And Tumujin, who and I will be back on the other side of this break with our news. Don't go away.
1: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
0: Hi, everyone. Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. My um, guest this hour is Tumu Jin-Hu. He is the author of The Rage. His website is www.temujinhu.com. What was the hardest part about writing this book? It's... <laughs> The
3: hardest part was actually um, keeping my uh, peace of spirit, I mm. would say. Um, the um, it's it's difficult to say positive and hopeful when you're focusing on the inner thoughts of people doing wicked things. And I tend to empathize. So often I felt dark and demonic forces around me, and finally i turned to to like positive Christian. Uh, radio stations to kinda of break me out of that the darkness. I had to take that story I had to take the story to that level of evil though because I wanted to do the context justice so that the reader would feel fully engaged. But that that was one of the one of my struggles is, is there's so much all the focus on these negative like one one scene in particular uh was a a a steroid rage mm-hmm. a roid rage that one of the characters was going through. And it's just all the things, just trying to emotionally describe a person that's, um, tiny little things are greeting on them. And as I was writing it and describing it, um, you know, like I said, I empathize. I I tend to go there. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 I got very dark and, um, and I don't want to be dark. I don't want to be a dark person. I don't want to think dark thoughts. So, um, at the, by the end of the story, I was actually not, not listening to any anything but uh, but uh, what I thought would be positive and uplifting uplifting music, mm-hmm. and uh, attempting to put myself in situations that would be more like you know out in parks. Um, so I I would uh, not not stay in that dark place. So um, would
0: you would you say that bit. writing the rage was also helping you to face your demons?
3: Um, it's, yes, it's, it's cathartic. It's, it helps. It, anytime you write something like this, mm-hmm. um, it helps put out your stuff that you've got inside. And, um, and it, it, anytime, like if you got a, if you're struggling with something, I think if you write it or talk about it or express it, it helps to get it out there and it, just expressing it helps. And so, um, writing the book definitely helped me sort out my spiritual journey of the past 10 years where I've basically learned about grace. And actually the book, the theme of the book developed as I was writing it too. A lot of this, the specific stuff, it's not how I would write a book again. It was, I didn't do it intentionally, but a lot of the stuff kind of developed as I wrote it. Um, the uh, So it, it and it ended up like it wasn't the book I intended to write. It was the book I needed to write. Um, so it's yeah, dealing with all the, uh, um, emotions and experiences and uh, relationships uh, Mm -hmm. and acknowledging you know for myself uh, I still deal with self-doubt and uh, self-hate I still deal with those kind of thoughts and I still have to fight them off so uh, it's the book has a message that I need to hear as well that I need to remind myself as well that uh, I'm okay that I don't have to be good enough that no one is good enough and that I can accept if I can accept myself, I can accept everybody, and if I can accept everybody, I can accept myself. So, um, I guess it goes back
0: yeah. to the, I guess it goes back to that old saying: if you can't, if you don't love yourself, no one else will.
3: Yeah, and I think that's true. It's hard for people to love you mm-hmm. if you don't love yourself because you tend to do things that are destructive to relationships yeah. around you. So.
0: What has been the feedback that you've? Gotten from friends and family who've had the opportunity of reading the rage.
3: Um, initially, uh, I think the initial reaction is surprise because it is so dark.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, one person was almost angry at me, and I'm like, how can you think that a Christian would want to read this book?
0: <laughs> um, well, wait a I second. Did, uh, did, it, you know, uh, when we, when we look at, did you say how a Christian or how a person could read this book?
3: A Christian. It was, it was a context of, you know, because I, I, I'm i a Christian, and yeah. so it should be a Christian book. And well, I think it is a Christian
1: well, book,
0: but it is. doesn't
3: look like a Christian book. Well, look so at the there's... Bible.
0: There's a lot of hate killing and a lot of negativity in the Bible, and it's the number one Christian book.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, There is a lot of killing in the Bible. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of hate killing uh, directed from God. There is a lot of hate. Mm-hmm in the bible but it's that's not the the context isn't yeah. that's not what's coming from god but i think the, the idea that some christians have is that as a christian everything's got to be family friendly and nice and wonderful and pretty when actually the reality is life tends to be really dark uh, and if seen. you can't address that mm-hmm. darkness then you can't deal with people and i think that's one of the ups that a lot of christians have is they can't relate to people because they don't acknowledge the darkness that's in their own life.
0: Ah, you see, you said it right there. People, yeah. you know, people live in a little glass bubble, and anything that doesn't, con- you know, conform to their little glass bubble or their mm-hmm. uh, their their own idea of what life should be like, it rubs them the wrong way. When life itself is is hard.
3: It is. It is. Yes.
0: Yeah. And and, and you know, I, I applaud you for getting people to read your book, and by doing that, they're seeing your demons, and then in turn, they start facing their own.
3: Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I hope so.
0: I understand you're trying to turn this into a screenplay.
3: Uh, well, always. It's uh, That's where I started my writing, and that's where um, I probably would want to go back um, to it. Um, but it, again, it's tricky. I went to the novel format to get out of my plot issues, and I still haven't quite figured out how to turn this into something that would fit into a screenplay? Maybe a, a more like a, a TV show. might be more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it might be easier to adapt. I don't know. Um, but still looking at different options. Um, but again, I'm I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, definitely something I'm looking at. Uh, but um, I haven't quite figured out how to make it into a movie.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sure, given time, you'll figure that out. They yeah, really yeah, it's a process. Tell me, um, in your bio, it says "The Rage" is his first novel, and is strongly influenced by his efforts to cultivate an attitude of grace in his life. Mm-hmm. What What do you mean by that? You're trying to cultivate an attitude of grace in your life.
3: Well, most people, when they become a Christian, if, if you don't, if you didn't grow up in the Christian environment, mm-hmm. if you become a Christian later on. What tends to happen is you get very legalistic and you get very um, you get very forceful with your faith and that's what happened to me I got very legalistic and, and it wasn't necessarily very negative but it wasn't positive I went to Kuwait in 2004 and I, when I came back all my friends told me I was a lot easier to de- uh, deal with and to be around and th- and I realized it was because I wasn't trying to dump a lot of stuff for them to do on them all and I was and I was I was one of those people that was actually doing it I was actually being good, I wouldn't even speed. I wouldn't go a mile per hour over the speed limit. But all that stuff, no matter how good you try to be, you're still not good enough, and you're still not perfect. And I think um, I had to learn to relax and lighten up on myself, and then I was able to lighten up on other people. And I think also I had to, I, uh, I have to learn things the hard way. <laughs> just, just the way I am. A lot of us are like this. I had to make a lot of mistakes before I realized. Um, just how easy it is to make mistakes. And I, you know, I mentioned a few of those mistakes, you know, I've been fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think as, a, as you go along, you realize um, I am looking at people judgmentally and I need to stop that. Because what I need to realize is uh, I'm judging myself is where it starts and then I'm judging other people. If you're legalistic, you're telling yourself, "I have to be this way," yes, and therefore you're going to look at other people and you go, "They should be that way too." But if you can lighten up on yourself and cultivate the attitude of grace and go, "I'm okay, I don't have to be perfect, I can just do my best and that's okay," then you can look at other people that way. And I think it's taken a while, but and I'm still in the process. Not no one's perfect, you know. I'm, like, I'm not perfect at it, but I think I'm much better at. You know, like when I, it's like when you're interacting with people. Mm-hmm. If you focus on the way they're behaving, you're not going to get be able to reach that person like one of the soldiers i I, I spoke with that I've mentioned already, he had uh, coping, coping mechanisms to deal with his stress that basically made him a little bit antisocial and some people could relate to him, and some people hated him and If you look at the things that he did and say oh, that guy's an immature jerk, whatever, you're not going to see that he's actually a person with a lot of hurts and pains, so you have to look past a person's actions and, and be able to accept them as they are and to, to get past those actions and to understand where they're coming from and then often when you do that you realize they're not actually a bad person and that's actually what i get into with the rage something that actually comes up throughout the story with some of the character interactions is what if this person that seems to be such an awful person is actually just doing the best they can and doesn't know any better or, or doesn't know how to behave differently. What if that person grew up differently? What if that person grew up with a father that loved them and was there for them and taught them how to make good decisions? You know, he didn't have that. So uh, he had, instead, was raised to be a criminal, essentially. And so can you get mad at that person for the things they do, even though they hurt you? Or can you look past that and understand them, and if you can get past it and get to know them and talk to them, that's when you can reach them, and you can get that change in behavior. Do you think
0: so, so, do, you, do you think society has a lot to learn yet when dealing with people who are who are, are troubled, who are depressed, who who just come back from a tour in Afghanistan, Iraq, or any other part of the military? Are we doing enough for our military?
3: I don't think we are doing enough. I think, and it it's not necessarily the military's fault. But I think they could do more to train people to prepare them for what they're mm-hmm. doing. So many uh, veterans come back, and I talked to a, a therapist who had a, a client who um, would yell uh, at her and stuff, and she had to yell back and say, "Hey, uh, you need to let the people around you know what you're going through." Like I said, there's a stigma. There's there's this thing that prevents people from from uh, talking about it, but these soldiers come back and they've got all this, this emotional trouble and it becomes a cost, a burden on society because they're going to destroy all the relationships when they come home. And then when you destroy a family and destroy uh, friendship, you're destroying society. You're destroying the base. You know, the family is a, mm-hmm. a, a strong sound base for society. And if you destroy families, families get broken. That's that harms society. And so I think the cost of the war on American society isn't just material; it's also social. Um, it's not good for these people to come back and have all their relationships destroyed because they don't know how to deal with these problems, um, with these emotions, with these um, struggles.
0: How and, can uh, how could that be changed then? How what what can society? What can you and I do to to help change this?
3: Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think. I'll give an example okay i was with a group of guys and they were all they were a christian um bible study actually and it was actually mm-hmm. overseas and the culture was such that you don't talk about your problems and one of the guys seemed kind of down and quiet and i said you know and i talked to the other guys and they, and they said well oh, he's depressed and he's or he's, they said he's sad um but they were saying the was he was depressed and apparently he's depressed all the time and i asked these guys i said what what are you, you know that he's sad. You know that he's depressed. What are you doing to help him? The answer was nothing because that's what you do in that society. And that's what we do in our society too as well. We do it in a little bit different ways. But I think the first thing you need to do is we need to talk to each other and we need to be willing to ask people hard questions. Yeah. We need to be willing to put ourselves out there and say, hey, brother, I'm here for you. If you need anything, come talk to me. And you might have to do more than that too. You might have to actually... Follow up on that person and find out what they're doing because they may not want to tell you that they're spending copious amounts of time alone brooding, you know, um, that's not healthy.
0: It, it's, it's so sad to hear that there are people who are just keeping everything inside. And it just, like you said, mm-hmm. it keeps boiling because they don't have anyone or they don't think they have anyone mm-hmm. to listen to the if a person was just to sit down and say, "What's on your mind?" and they get it off their chest, that—that's the pressure valve that mm-hmm. so many people yeah. need, and yet nobody wants to listen. Yeah, yeah. I think,
3: I think if we listen to other people's problems, we have to acknowledge that we have problems ourselves. Sure. You know, if we don't want to do that, you know, I've—I um, think a lot of people maybe have known someone that committed suicide, yeah, or known someone whose friend committed suicide, and no one even knew they were depressed. And to me, that's just like, that's got to be the worst feeling. And, I, and you'd think that that would motivate people to want to talk about stuff, but it doesn't. We still hold it in. So.
0: Timu Jin, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Great talking yeah. to you. Exonation. Tumujin Jin, who is our special guest. He's the author of The Rage. His website, T E M. U J I N H U dot com. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exome continues. Where? Right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back. And by the way, to all our American listeners, next Monday, I believe, is Columbus Day. Happy Columbus Day. And to all our Canadian listeners, happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back. Don't go away.
1: For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
2: Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good To Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is.
1: Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarWalkerVisions.com.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Tumu Jin-Hu. He is the author of... The rage. His website is www.temujinhu.com. How close are you actually to finding the grace in your life that you're looking for?
3: I don't think I'll ever be where I want to be. Uh, the I think um, I'll get more and more free of the negative thoughts and the, uh, the wrong thinking uh, as I go. And I expect... Mm-hmm. I've seen in myself how I've I've improved myself over the years. I've made myself a better person. But I think it's, always, it's a process. And I think if you accept that it's a process, you can accept where you are and know that you're getting better. I think that's the most important thing.
0: I agree with you 100%. And not too many people realize that, that it's a process, that change isn't overnight.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that in today's society, because of our vast speed of which we live in, and the modern day of communications, which is instantaneous. People expect Mm -hmm. life to be instantaneous, and it's anything but that.
3: That's true, that's true.
0: Do you have any new books coming out? Are you working on any screenplays that you can share with us?
3: I'm working uh, working on a variety of things, and basically I'll work on things until one of them starts to look really strong, and then I'll focus on that. I'm working on a sequel to The Rage which will take the characters into the arena of, of human trafficking in America, wow. and also touch on the homosexuality, which is, I think, the most relevant and current topics that I think people will relate to, and that's going to be the context for the ongoing uh, crime drama. I'll tell it's, you something, um, the,
0: human trafficking is a big problem, and I'm glad you're is, going to be it bringing is. it up, yeah.
3: It's bigger than, the, I think the bigness of it is, it's amazing that it's going on around us when we don't realize it. You know, we're purchasing products. We don't realize it's actually a slave yeah. uh, helped manufacture that product. But there's also involved in there's organized crime element in Big that time. too, and that's where I'm going to kind of bring it in to the story because the story involves, the raids involves uh, organized crime and gangs and rackets, and so I'm going to kind of uh, string Excellent. it along in that direction. Right. I'm also working on an allegorical fantasy that will deal with a prince, um, a vagrant helping out a prince, and then mm-hmm. I'll, there's also. Um, working on a satire, based on my experiences doing security in Afghanistan.
0: My goodness, you're a busy young man. I try to stay busy. What would you like to say to our listeners? We've got about 60 seconds.
3: Um, uh, uh, I, I want, it's my desire to be an encouragement and inspiration to everyone. I want everyone to feel like they're blessed uh, every day. You know, in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to believe in themselves and uh, to strive for, it's easy to strive for excellence when you're doing something you love. I, I, I did a lot of things I liked, but I didn't get published until I quit my job and decided to be a writer full time. Um, so I think uh, people, I want people to believe in themselves and believe what they can do and to pursue their dreams.
0: And And it's because of people like you bringing this to the forefront and letting people know that they're human, that we all share these same problems, these same challenges, these same dilemmas in our lives, that they will come to understand that they're not alone. And I want to thank you so much for joining us this hour, Uh, to Mujin. It's been a great pleasure. Continued success, and I look forward to the next time you join us here in the X Zone. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Exonation. our guest this hour has been Tumujin Jin Hu. He's the author of The Rage website, www.temujinhu.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Visit our website, www.exonradiotv.com, and archives are always free at com, Happy Columbus Day and Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.